Welcome to the elect. I am Eric Matthew Bennett, and what we are going to chat about today are black people and the Holy Bible, because there has been so much misinformation and misunderstanding and wrong interpretations of scriptures that a lot of people have no idea what the Bible says about Jesus or Gabriel or our Father when it comes to their appearance. And that is most unfortunate because the Holy Bible lays it out so point blank that if it was a person, it would smack you upside the head. It's so obvious. So what we're going to do is we're just going to take a little stroll and we're going to go from Revelation, which is the last book of the New Testament, to Genesis, which is the first book of the Old Testament. And that compilation consists of what's called the Book of God. And this Book of God was dictated to man by our Lord, Gabriel, who's called the Word of the Lord, or the Power of God. And he is one with his brother, who is Jesus. And our Father made both of those men his equal. And so we're talking about three different individuals, uh, first, second, and third points of view. And we've touched on that on the second or third episode um, of the podcast. So if you want to get clarification on that, please visit those episodes. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read you what this says. And I'm going to tell you what it means so that you know and understand and can comprehend the facts. Because the thing about the book of Revelation especially is the entire book was written a long time ago and it was encrypted. And encryption means it has a key, which is a password. And so this entire book was a mystery, which means people were always trying to figure it out. They were always trying to solve it and no one ever could. And the reason for that is because the entire book is actually about a man. And when this man arrives, he's going to teach you how to understand this. And that is a huge sign huge. So you want to pay attention to this. So uh, open up your Bibles and please turn to the first chapter of Revelation. And we're just going to stroll down through this and look at what it says and then I'm going to tell you what it means. Uh, chapter 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So in that first sentence, we've got Jesus, we've got an angel of the Lord, which is Gabriel, and we've got the servant John. And so the revelation is the the apocryphy. It's, uh, it means you understand. It's the, the understanding. A lot of people I uh, think apocryphy means the end of the world, and it's, it doesn't mean that at all. It just sim simply means you're going to have uh, a revelation. You're going to have be enlightened to something. You're going to know something about God that you didn't know before. You're going to know a lot of things about God that you didn't know before. And so here what we have setting up this scene is we've got Jesus Christ, and you're going to have a revelation about Jesus Christ, uh, who gave it to his servants, the prophets, about things which must shortly come to pass. So at the time that this was written, when John wrote this down, okay, He's writing about something that is going to come in the future. And that future event is coming to pass right now. Okay? And who bore record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. So John and Gabriel told John what to write and John wrote these down. 
Blessed is he that reads, and they that hear these words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So right there, Jesus and Gabriel went to John uh, and told them about things that are going to come to pass. And John bore record of this and wrote it down. And blessed are you that hear this prophecy, because the time is at hand. Okay, those are the first three sentences of uh, Revelation. Now, sentence four is, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So now John is talking about um, he which is, which was, and which is to come, and that's Jesus, and the seven spirits before the throne is Gabriel. So John is saying he has a message to the people in Asia from Jesus and Gabriel. And sentence five, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So Jesus Christ is a faithful witness, and you'll see that written on his thigh. Anytime you see Jesus or Gabriel in art uh, exposing their thigh, they're showing you their titles, which are the King or King and Lord of Lords. And so when it talks about, um, where was it, sentence five, uh, the Prince of the Kings of the Earth, uh, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, um, that, that's, that's him. And he, Jesus, made us kings and priests to God and his Father forever. So right there, the whole point of Jesus and Gabriel and the message they had to deliver to these seven churches, which means those seven churches are the people that understand the keys of knowledge. They know how to turn these keys and see the power in the word, which is the stairway to heaven, which is Gabriel who leads you to Jesus. So this angel that appears in the end is going to give you a revelation. He's going to teach you these things that you're learning right now. And Jesus was the first witness, okay? The first begotten of the dead. Now, there's two anointed ones. And so what that means is there's going to be a second begotten of the dead. And this is the man who arrives in the end, that is the angel that Jesus tells you about, okay? And so he's the one that's going to teach you these things. And he made us kings and priests to God. Stop right there and look at that. When you know how to turn these keys of knowledge and see the power in the word, which is the stairway to heaven, which leads you to Jesus and allows you entrance into the kingdom, these are the keys to the kingdom, um, that makes you a king and a priest to God, our Father. That makes you royalty. If you ever wondered how do people get to become royals, well, there's a couple of different ways. The first, the one true way, is what's called divine providence, or um, the will of God, and he anoints his royals. They literally manifest out of the word of God, meaning uh, Gabriel picks who uh, they want and they give them that uh, anointing. Uh, because since Jesus and Gabriel and our Father are the source of all of this information, they can choose who they wish to delegate to deliver and transmit this information. And so in this case here, they're choosing John, who was the disciple that Jesus loved. And so the people that uh, read this and hear it and understand it are very blessed. And so in verse 7, he says, Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail 
because of him. Even so, amen. So Jesus is going to come in the clouds, and that means you're literally going to look up. You're going to lift your head up, and you're going to see these things descending from outer space into orbit, coming down and descending to the earth, and that's going to be them. And so, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what that's saying. Uh, and sen sentence eight says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come the Almighty. So Jesus is telling you right there who he is, okay? And he gets that title, position, status, authority, and power from our Father, God. So if God makes you God, guess what? You're God, all right? So a lot of people, a lot of the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, um, the Muslim folks, uh, a lot of Christians especially, um, you need to start to wrap your head around this. Because when we read the Quran, when we read my book, It Has Written Power of God, when we read the Old Testament, it's all going to say the same thing. We're all telling you the same thing. So you got to listen to what we're telling you, all right? Jesus got his anointing and power to be God from his Father, who is God. Gabriel is the same way. Gabriel is raised up the same way Jesus was. All right, so Gabriel is God. And Gabriel who is, is always with God. Anytime you see Jesus in the scriptures or Gabriel in the scriptures, the other one is not far behind. Okay, they are never apart. So um, they're always together. And these two are one with the Father. That means they're God. So sentence nine in verse or in chapter 1 says I John who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ so John was going through tribulation John is our brother and companion, and he's going through tribulation. Jesus is God, and he went through tribulation. Gabriel is God, and he went through tribulation. So all of you Christians that think there's going to be some kind of rapture that's going to whisk you out of here before the tribulation, guess what? You were taught wrong, okay? That's a false teaching. You are seriously deluded. So what you have to do is look at what this says, read it, understand it, and say, okay, Father, thank you so much for that correction. Because if you don't realize you're going to go through tribulation, just like John, Jesus, and Gabriel, and all of the others, when it comes, you're going to faint away. You won't have faith to endure. So that's why I have to tell you that it's coming, so you know, so you're strong and can prepare. Now, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and behind me heard a great voice as a trumpet. So when John is in the Spirit, that's the word. On the Lord's day is the Sabbath. That's Saturday. Saturday is the seventh day uh, on the, of the week. And he heard behind him a great voice with the sound of a trumpet. So John now is in the Word. He's turning these keys of knowledge. He's having a revelation. And he's uh, witnessing something in his mind. He's understanding something. And the, this person that's delivering this message says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. So, 
Jesus and Gabriel are telling John to write this down, and this is going to seven groups of people, okay? And this message is to seven churches. And anytime you see reference to the seven churches, th those are the people that understand the keys of knowledge, which is the power of God. So I'm speaking to you, all right? You're the people I'm talking to that understand this. If you don't understand any of this, or if you dismiss it, I'm not talking to you. You can just keep going on your way. Um, now, when we get to sentence 7, or 12, rather, sentence 12, John wrote, And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. So John turned the keys of knowledge, and when he turned the keys of knowledge, he saw the power in the word, which is the voice that spoke with him, which is Jesus and Gabriel. And being turned, he turned himself, he saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, these seven golden candlesticks, so we just went over in uh, episode two or three, uh, which in the book of Zechariah, which is Jesus and Gabriel. So John is seeing the seven golden candlesticks that Zechariah wrote of, who is Jesus and Gabriel. That's who delivers messages to you from our Father. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks was one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and a girt about the paps with a golden rule. Okay? Now this man was like the Son of Man. Okay? In the midst. Was like unto the Son of Man. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. So this is describing Jesus uh, and Gabriel. And the head of his hair, his head, the skin on his head is white. His head and his hairs were white like wool. This is where a lot of black people make an error. They see the word wool and they think, oh, it's nappy like wool. Like if you feel it, it has a texture like wool. And that's not what it says. It says it's white. The color is white like wool. And his skin is white. Okay, so this is a white man. All right. And his feet were like fine brass that burned in a furnace. Because when white men are in the sun, we get sunburned and our skin will literally peel and we can get third degree burns. And after we get those burns, like we're in a furnace, we tan like uh, brass, like fine brass. And his voice is as the sound of many waters, which is the multitude, which is teaching the keys to the scriptures, which is the way to multiply the keys in the scriptures. And Jesus had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. Now, in his right hand is Gabriel. Gabriel is his right-hand man, and he is defined as the seven stars because he comes from Pleiades. And so... Um, Gabriel is also the sharp, double-edged sword that comes out of Jesus' mouth. He is uh, the word and the power. He's the word of the Lord and the power of God. And so he delivers messages from Jesus. So Jesus is describing Gabriel now. He's about to hand you over to Gabriel. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying to me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. So when John is understanding all of this, and he's having the revelation that Jesus Christ and Gabriel are visiting him, and they're about to deliver a message to him, he became so awestruck, he collapsed. Okay? And in the elect, what you'll notice is anytime a person bows or kneels before Jesus or Gabriel, they place their hand on them and raise them up. Okay? 
Because in the elect, there's only two people that we bow down to. The first one is our Father. We all bow down to our Father. And the second one is if you're a man, you bow down to your wife. Okay? You submit to your wife just like you submit to your Father in Heaven. You see that? Aside from that, you don't bow to anybody. Period. You stand up straight. Alright? And so, um, Jesus and Gabriel picked him up and he said, Fear not. Uh, he said, um, I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. The keys of hell and death are the keys of knowledge. Because if you don't know how to turn these keys of knowledge, you're not going to know who Jesus and Gabriel are. So you're not going to know who our Father is. And that's what grants us entrance into the kingdom. The keys of hell and death are the keys to the kingdom. Because when we turn these keys, we see the power in the Word. And the power in the Word is described as a crypt. It's dark and hidden information that only you know because it's a password. Alright, so you're not going to know this stuff, and that's why you need to have a revelation. When you have the revelation, you'll know the keys, you'll know the crypt, you'll know the password. You'll see the light shining out of the darkness. Okay? And he told him to write these things which you see, because these are the things which shall be hereafter. So again, these are the things to the come, and the time has come. So what you're seeing and hearing now are very blessed to know and understand, because, verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden sticks seven golden candlesticks the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches so jesus is telling you the mystery of the seven stars is gabriel in his right hand that's gabriel and so uh, jesus is telling you gabriel is god and he's going to the churches jesus is sending gabriel to you to deliver a message. And so this man that's going to deliver a message to you in the end is going to um, have different aspects to his mission. He's going to be referred to by code names. He's codenamed Elijah the prophet. He's codenamed Zerubbabel and others as well, which we'll look at going forward. But in this case here, um, he's Elijah the prophet because he's warning you of destruction by fire. Okay, nuclear fire is coming to Babylon, America. And so he warns you of all of that. And he tells you, you got to repent. You have to turn these keys. You have to know God. You have to know Jesus. You have to know Gabriel. You have to know our Father. You people don't know anything. You're in really bad shape. You're not going to make it. So that's part of his mission. And that's not easy. A lot of people don't want to hear that, especially if they've been told, <laughs> you know, uh, just say a prayer. Just accept the Lord and you're going to heaven. You know, if they've been pumped full of that nonsense, you know, when they hear the fact that they actually have to know something and understand something, it's going to offend them because they're comfortable in their stupidity and ignorance. And so Jesus and Gabriel went to John and told him to write down something. And the entire book of Revelation is really nothing more than a post-it note, okay? It's a post-it note so this guy could <laughs> be reminded of what he's going to do when he shows up. <laughs> Okay, that's why John's acting like a secretary. That's why the prophets act as secretaries. Uh, Gabriel and Jesus dictate to them what to write, and they write it. So that's the first chapter of Revelation. It's all about Jesus and Gabriel going to John and saying, Listen, in the end, a man is going to appear, and this man is the right hand of Jesus, and he's symbolized by seven stars, and he's going to the seven churches. Okay, so I have a message for all of you people that are listening to this and no one understanding what I'm saying. And so this was the first chapter 
of Revelation. So please take a moment to read that and uh, think about it. Now, when we turn to the second chapter of Revelation, I'd like to ask you to please skip down to verse 8. And because this podcast is directed towards black people, I want to show you what the Holy Bible says about black people and white people. Okay? And when you hear this message, the first thing I want you to do is verify, verify and confirm if everything that I am telling you is correct. Go to the Bible, read it, double-check it, uh, interpret it, translate it. You, know, you just dig it. You, you dig right into that, and you try to find a single error in what I'm saying. Okay, And when you can't, that means what I'm telling you is true. And the reason I'm telling you these things that offend you is because I love you. All right, And so I want you to correct these mistakes. We all need to correct our mistakes, and I'm no different. Okay, And when we correct our mistakes, this is what makes us wise men and women. So in chapter 8, or chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write, These things, says the first and last, which was dead and alive. Now the angel of the church of Smyrna is Gabriel. All of these messages, chapter 2 and 3, is the Gabriel's message to the seven churches, who are those people that our Father is calling right now. So this message here, the church of Smyrna, is from Gabriel, and he says in verse 9, I know your works and tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Okay, so in sentence 9, this is a group of people, these people that they, they say, you know, they talk about how hard they've had to work, and, you know, their works were great tribulation, and their works in tribulation led to poverty. That's what they tell people, Okay. This is what you hear from these people. All right. Oh, we were slaves and oppressed. And oh, Jesus, you know, you owe us reparations. Okay. And, uh, and they say they're the true Jews. So the people that say that they had to suffer from working and that they're poor and uh, all of these things also say they're the true Jews. Okay. But Jesus and Gabriel say you are not. You're not the true Jews. In fact, you are the synagogue of Satan. And so that's, that's a pretty hard thing to hear. If you're a black person and you hear that the, your creator is calling you uh, uh, the synagogue of Satan, you know, that's got to be jarring. And that's good. That's a good thing because if that you know, hits you where you live, then it's speaking to you. It's convicting you. And conviction is everything because when we're convicted and we admit that we made an error, then we're pardoned. Okay? We're forgiven of that. If we do not admit we made an error... There's no forgiveness. So for all of you black people that are listening to this, that say how hard you've worked and your work was great tribulation and that you're poor, you're all liars, all right? You people drive around in Mercedes and BMWs and you get all of the gadgets and cell phones. You're living in the wealthiest, most powerful nation on earth, all right? None of you are poor. You're a bunch of hypocrites. It's pathetic, okay? So God wants you to cut it out. You sound stupid, all right? Now, I have another thing to tell all of you black people. In verse 10, it says, Fear none of those things which you shall suffer. You're going to suffer something soon. Behold, 
The devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be you faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Okay, so for all of you black people, what's going to happen is you're really going to get some bad news soon, okay? And um, it's going to result in a lot of you getting sent to prison, all right? And what that bad news is going to be is a thing called the REAL ID, which is federal legislation in the United States of America, which is going to require everyone to use their fingerprints or retinal scans in order to buy or sell soon. And this is called the mark of the beast, okay? None of you want to agree to this. None of you want to comply with this law. None of you. But for you blacks, okay, um, that say that you're the true Jews, um, that is a, a great sin. It's enough to keep you out of the kingdom. It's so blasphemous, all right? So when the time comes very soon in America, very, very soon after the day of the Lord, uh, you're going to see New York City nuked with seven nuclear bombs, okay? And um, after this, the government's going to require everyone to take the real ID, which is using your fingerprint or retinal scan to buy or sell. And so a lot of you black people are not to do this, okay? And when that happens, they're going to detain you for 10 days. They're going to take you to a Federal Emergency Management Agency Center camp, a FEMA camp. And you're, it's not a long-term facility. You're going to be held for 10 days, and in the course of that 10 days, they're going to try to re-educate you. They're going to say, hey, come on, we know you love America. You know, we know you're not a terrorist. We know that, you know, you're a good guy. Just sign this paper, you know, and agree to use this new system. All right? And everything's going to be great. And all you have to say is... Uh, the Lord rebuke you. That's it. The Lord rebuke you. When they say, sign this paper, say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Because that's the devil. All right. And the reason you're called the synagogue of Satan, the reason all of you black people who say that you're oppressed and poor and the true Jews, the reason you're called the synagogue of Satan is because the word synagogue means group of, and Satan means darkness or blackness. So this is a group of dark black people who say they have to work hard and they ex you experience tribulation and they're poor and that they're the true Jews. So everybody knows who that is. Come on. Yeah, look around. You know who that is. God is talking to you, so please pay attention. God loves you. All right? That's why he's telling you this. He's correcting you. So he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. So if you hear what I'm telling you, all right, what my voice is saying, what the Spirit is telling you to the churches, then when you overcome, when you turn the keys of knowledge and turn yourself and repent and don't take the mark of the beast, which is the real ID, your fingerprints and retinal skin, then you will not be hurt by the second death. Now, the second death, that sounds pretty scary and it, because it is. Uh, what the second death is, is this, this body that you're currently inhabiting is just a temporary existence. And we go over this in the second or third episode, or maybe the fourth one. But, um, and so you're not meant to be permanent. This body was not meant to be permanent. It's just a preview, a sneak peek at what's coming and how good it is going to be. And so um, since that's the case, you are going to spend eternity in either one location or the other. You have two choices. Okay, you're going to live forever. You're an immortal soul having a temporary experience. All right. And so your acceptance or rejection of these keys of knowledge, which is the knowledge of God, which proves Jesus and Gabriel is God and that our father is uh, the most high Allah. Um, then you have turned yourself. You have 
confessed, you have overcome, you have um, believed, you're a true believer, okay, and so you make it, you make it. So in chapter 2 of Revelation, to sum this up, uh, God calls all of you black people the synagogue of Satan because you say you have to work so hard, tribulation, poverty, and that, but you're really rich, all of you people are rich, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really pathetic, um, so um, that's chapter 2. Please read that. Look it over. There's a lot more in there. But in here, I'm just addressing the black people. Okay? And I want to show you what God says about black and white people. So that's chapter 2. And check it out. And we'll move on to the third chapter next. All right. Turning now to chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. Let's move right down to the seventh sentence, chapter 3, verse 7. And it is written, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, Write, These things says he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens, and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens the angel to the church of philadelphia is gabriel gabriel is the angel of the lord he delivers these messages for jesus and he's telling you that jesus is the one who is holy he is the one who is true and jesus has the key of david the key of david are the keys of knowledge and the keys to the kingdom and they are what anoint royalty divine royalty of the most high and so the man, when we start looking at this man that arrives in the end that teaches you these things, he's called the branch. He's a branch of this family. He is an extension, a direct descendant of this bloodline from the house of David. The man who teaches you these things possesses the keys of David. And what that means is when you turn the keys, you're going to see that his name, his date of birth, the book that he writes, and everything else is all a factor of seven. And that's a seal. When God seals you with the power, that's how you verify and confirm the identity of prophets. Okay, So the man in the uh, sentence 7 that's telling you these things is Gabriel. All right? And I know your works. I know how hard you black people work. Okay, And behold, I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. For you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. So this is speaking to all of the black people that, that you know, Jesus knows that you've had a hard time. He sees that, you know, you've experienced tribulation and experienced hard times. Um, now, it's not as bad as you say it is, of course. But, uh, yeah, he sees that. And so he sets before you an open door. When I show you how to turn these keys of knowledge so you can open up and enter into the scriptures, which is the beginning of Genesis and Matthew, which is called the door because of the entrance to the Old and New Testament, that's where you're going to see the stairway to heaven. And that's where Gabriel says, I've set before you an open door. I'm showing you the way to enter into this word. Okay? And because you have kept my name and not denied my name, okay, I'm going to make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Now, in the first, second, and third person, when you're reading the scriptures, you've got to keep in mind that the way that they bounce around through these narratives is the viewpoint, and it's written in second, uh, first, second, and third person. So when he's speaking, when Jesus is speaking um, 
in sentence 9, he's saying, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, the black people who say they are the true Jews, uh, but are not and do lie. Behold, he's going to make them come and worship at my feet. And this is how you will know that he loves me. And so what this means is when I teach all of these black people that they're not the true Jews, they're not the real Jews, they need to repent and, and God is going to forgive them. And when I show them the keys to the scriptures and they see, wow, this is all real, this is true, um, they're gonna, that's going to make them love and glorify God. And so they're going to come and worship at my feet, which means they're going to join the elect, my church. And the elect isn't really a church. i got to use a different word. I use that because I try to speak in the simplest terms possible. What the elect is, is all of those people who know how to turn the keys of knowledge in the scriptures. And so when you see the Quran, when you see the Old Testament, the New Testament, you know Jesus, you know Gabriel, you know our Father. All right, And, and those are the people that, that belong to the elect. And those are the ones that make it. Because there's a lot of people that call themselves Jews, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, and there's a lot of people that call themselves Muslims that don't know the keys of knowledge. And so these are people that tend to use all of these faiths to reinforce their worldview for no other purpose than to gain power for themselves. Okay, uh, None of this, everything that I'm teaching you, this isn't to gain power for myself. I don't need to gain power for myself. <laughs> okay, This is for you. I'm giving you an invitation. Okay, I'm, I'm correcting you because I love you. And I'm extending an invitation to you. All right. When you turn these keys and when you tell others that this document is encrypted and there's keys to a door to enter the house, which is the gate to the kingdom of heaven. Okay. When you tell other people that, that's what covers all of your sin and lets you in. That's what it means to know God. Okay. So because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Okay, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have, that no man take your crown. Him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. So Jesus is telling Gabriel, the man that is teaching you all of this, he teaches you the way to overcome, to turn the keys of knowledge, that this man uh, called Elijah the prophet and Zerubbabel is a pillar in the temple of God. And there's two pillars in the temple of God, and those are the two angels, the two olive trees, the um, two bowls. And so, are the, yeah, the two, um, the two olive trees. And so now they're called two pillars. This is Jesus and Gabriel. So Jesus is telling this man that's delivering this message, um, despite how hard all of this is, you know, <laughs> it's going to be great. So <laughs> uh, he that has it has an ear. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So for all of you black people that are listening to this and hearing what I'm telling you, okay, that you're having, a, you're having an ear to hear, please hear what my Spirit is telling you. You're the church. Okay, I love you. Jesus loves you. So that's chapter 3. That's as it pertains to uh, the blacks. Um, so read the rest of it. There's a lot in there that we'll look at going forward in its pertinent context.
Alright, let's turn to chapter 4 of the book of Revelation. And uh, we're going to look at the um, just the first three sentences here. Uh, well, the first five. And the, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here, and I will show you these things, which must be hereafter. So, when he looked, he saw, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. When you turn the keys of knowledge in the scripture, from the letters to the numbers, the letters represent the earth. It's like algebra, X equals Y. And so, the guys that wrote these holy Bibles, uh, these documents, are also the guys that created mathematics. And so, it's the same exact thing, which is really funny, because a lot of people say... Oh, I learned algebra, but I never used it for anything. Well, this is actually called Bougian algebra. Okay, so what you have now is we're going to use letters to represent numbers. And so when you see the earth, okay, that's representing the letters of the word, the text. Okay, and when you turn the key and you see the numbers, that's called the heavens or the power. So the earth is Jesus and the heavens is the power. And so John looked and behold, a door was opened. He turned the keys of knowledge and he opened the door in the scriptures, which is the beginning of Genesis and Matthew. And that uh, allowed him to hear a, a voice in heaven. And the first voice is always Gabriel. He's the one that you see when you turn the keys and he leads you to Jesus, who says, come up here, and I'll show you the things that come after. And immediately, John was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So in the first sentence, John turned the key, he saw Jesus and Gabriel, and in the second sentence, that took him right before our Father. You see that? That's how you go before our Father. If if you ever wondered, it's not about, it's not about an experience, it's not about a relationship, God isn't your boyfriend, okay? It's knowledge-based. It's all what you know and understand. You will literally know God. When I tell you that you turn the keys of knowledge and you see the power in the Word, which is the stairway from the earth to the heaven, and leads you before our Father, that's when you know God. And once you know God, once you know that, as long as you don't reject it, as long as you don't reject that, then your name is documented into a Word document called the Lamb's Book of Life, okay? And so, uh, in sentence 5, after John is taken before the throne, he gets a glimpse of it, okay? And he sees all of the elders uh, sitting around the, the throne. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So this goes back to the first chapter of Revelation, as well as uh, the fourth chapter of Zechariah, where it talks about the uh, uh, lamps of fire burning before the throne and the seven spirits. Now, the reason it's called thunderings and lightnings is because Gabriel is the god of thunder. Um, he symbolized as the seven thunders. And so that's when he wears his, um, his military hat and he goes on a campaign to remove all of those who offend. Another name for Gabriel is the God of Death. Um, anytime God needs someplace cleared out, he sends in Gabriel. And so that's what you're dealing with here. And, um, and so, let's see. Yes, sentence three. Uh, he that sat upon the throne, which is our father, was like a jasper and sardine stone. Now, a jasper and sardine stone is a flesh-colored stone. And when I say a flesh-colored stone, I mean 
this color of the flesh of the men that wrote this, white men, okay? And it, it, it turns, uh, it changes color from jasper to sardine. It has a red tint to it because white men, when we go out into the sun or if we blush or if we exert ourselves, our skin changes color. We go from white to red. And we're the only ones that really do that. And so this is really important to know because when you look at the the Hebrew and the Greeks and the Italians and all, the, all of the Mediterranean, even the North African, what we call currently today Africa, you know, it, uh, on the Mediterranean, that's all white people. Those are all white people. Now, there's black people that live in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, but what happened is over the ages, the Sub-Saharan, uh, the Sub-Saharan Desert or the Sahara Desert uh, was enough of a natural border to prevent uh, an interaction from taking place. So that's why white people always had to sail down or make expeditions to go down in there uh, to do any business they had to take care of. Because the blacks didn't build things with wheels uh, or ships or roads or buildings or things like this which are necessary for navigating. So they kind of just tended to stay right where they're at. And uh, others went down to visit them. And so you'll see in verse 3 there, Jasper and Sardine Stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight, like unto an emerald. So a jasper and sardine stone is flesh-colored that turns red, and now there's a rainbow around the throne. And a rainbow is made up of seven colors. Okay, And when you combine all seven colors of the rainbow, what color is that? That's white. So this is a white man sitting on the throne of God. And uh, go ahead and read the rest of chapter 4. It will only take you a minute, but you'll want to know what it says. Because we're going to come back and revisit each one of these. And I'm going to teach you what they mean in the correct context. Because the Holy Bible was written as a puzzle. Okay, It was written as a mystery. And the reason it was written as a mystery is because it needs to be solved. And you know when a guy comes and solves the mystery and reveals the mystery or the revelation of the mystery, that's the sign. Okay, so everything that you're hearing is good news. Be comforted in everything that you're hearing. All right, so let's go ahead and turn to the next chapter, chapter 5 next. All right, so now we're up to chapter 10. Let's move to chapter 10. In Revelation and the first sentence says and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head and his face was as it were the Sun and his feet as pillars of fire and so now he saw a mighty angel and this mighty angel came down from heaven and so if we turn to the book of Genesis, chapter eight, 28, what we find is Jacob had a dream, okay? And in his dream, he beheld a ladder that was set up on the earth and reached to the top of heaven. And the angel of the God ascended and descended upon him. So Jacob, John is describing the same exact thing in Revelation uh, that Jacob did in Genesis. And what this means is when you know how to turn these keys and you see the power in the word from the earth to the heaven, okay, that's Gabriel leading you to Jesus. That's how Gabriel reveals himself to you. Okay, so, so, so throughout history, okay, anytime the man of God, anytime the word of the Lord, anytime Melchizedek, anytime 
this individual who was chosen by our father went to the prophets to tell them what to write because he's a real man every time his name is never given he's a mystery it's not it's a secret his name is a secret okay but he's called the man of God he has titles and he's the one who shows you how to turn the keys of knowledge and lead you to the stairway to heaven so as soon as you have this revelation this understanding and you comprehend this and you know it in your mind as soon as you know these keys in your mind and how to climb from the earth to heaven by turning the keys in the word which leads to the power you've just met Gabriel all right and so in chapter 10 um, John has a vision of Gabriel coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud what color is a cloud and a rainbow is upon his head what color are the seven colors of the rainbow they're white and his face was it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire this is a white man okay because he's glaring white okay and he had in his hand a little book open and he set his right foot upon the sea and he let set his left foot upon the earth so this man this mighty angel that comes down that's clothed with the cloud and is white he writes a little book okay and he writes this little book and then he sets his right foot upon the sea and his left upon the earth and so that means this little book is going to be heard around the world and when he cried with a loud voice it was when as a lion roars and when he cried seven thunders uttered their voices so this angel that comes down from heaven that's white and writes a little book that's heard around the world is described as seven thunders and the seven thunders is Gabriel so this is Gabriel and when the seven thunders had uttered their voices I was about to write and I heard a voice from heaven saying to me seal up those things which the seven thunders thunders uttered and write them not so when John was right about to write what Gabriel said Jesus said no don't write that seal it up it's gonna be sealed the seal is when the power the numbers and the word go together when the word tells you to turn the keys and when you do that you're gonna have a revelation which is the mystery um, of the mystery you're gonna know the way to heaven that's Gabriel okay and so Jesus told John not to write that down because it was gonna be saved for now because it's a sign and the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his right hand to heaven and he swore by him that lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that are therein and the sea and the things that are therein that there should be time no longer so when this angel comes down out of heaven and he writes this book and he teaches the way to turn the keys of knowledge which is heard around the world that means there should be time no longer that means time is up all right but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets now the seventh angel is the angel that comes down from heaven who's on the stairway to heaven which are the keys of knowledge this is Gabriel you know Gabriel now you, have, you know Gabriel very well and um, in the days when you hear his voice when you hear his voice teaching you these things this means the mystery of God is finished as he declared to his servants the prophets when you hear my voice teaching you these things the way to turn these keys 
what this means is all of this was a mystery that was sealed up until now. So now you know the answer to the mystery, and that's the revelation. You see the light shining out of the darkness. You know how to enter in to the book of Genesis and Matthew. You see the power and the word and the glory and the majesty of the book of God. Okay? And so when you hear my voice teach you these things, uh, that's a sign for you. And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel that stands upon the sea and the earth. And now Jesus is telling Gabriel to go take the book out of my hand. And that book is called, It is Written, Power of God. And it shows you the way to turn the keys of knowledge, which are the keys to the kingdom, and uh, how you know God. And it also uh, answers all of the mysteries. Well, not all of them, but a lot of the mysteries uh, that you'd been taught and read about but didn't know about and understand or comprehend. So I'm going to teach you all of those things. Okay, and that's a big sign. That's a big sign for you to to um, acknowledge. All right. So you're to take this little book. When I tell you about my little book, which shows you the way to turn these keys, take it. All right. I give it away. You know, as much as I'm able to afford it. You know, if I can afford it, I give it away. If anybody wants this, I give it to them. Okay. So please go to my website, ericbennett.com. I put like the first seven chapters on there. Now, it's edited into a web format, so it's a little bit different than my text. Um, but I'm, I'm, I give you everything, okay? So please read it because you don't have a lot of time left, okay? This clock is almost done ticking, all right? Now, I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. It is written, Power of God. And he said to me, Take it. And eat it up, and it shall make your belly bitter. Okay, it's going to offend you. You're going to be offended when you learn the truth about America and a lot of other things. But in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. So after you get over that offense and confess and repent, then it's going to be very sweet because now you've got a lot to look forward to. And so I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had, I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he, Gabriel, said to me, You must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So this is a post-it note. It's a, He's leaving a message for himself so he doesn't forget something. And so he's telling himself when he appears uh, and writes this book that he's going to have to go before many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. And so what that means is I'm going to be going on a tour soon. Okay, and um, I'll be traveling to um, the Middle East. I'll be traveling to the Mediterranean, uh, Central Eastern Europe, Russia, and evidently I'm supposed to be going up into Babylon too. So I'll be hitting England, France, and Germany, um, which I'm not too excited about. You know, I'm not too crazy about any of that. But you know, who knows? It might be the best time of my life. You know, uh, but I'm really excited about getting to the Mediterranean. I cannot wait to get to Israel, daughter of Zion. I am coming. Yes. So that's chapter 10, and now we're going to take a look at the next one. All right, uh, let's turn now to the book of Revelation, chapter 19. And uh, we're going to look at, we're going to start at verse 20. 12, but before we look at verse 12, I want to read the first 11 sentences to you so you have the background info. And after these things, 
I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and has avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And so what's happening now is uh, John is praising God because the great whore, New York City, was just nuked. And New York City is the center for world trade, uh, center for the United Nations, that's the financial capital of the world. It runs the world, and so that's the whore. And the reason New York City is called a whore in Washington, D.C., by extension, uh, because they go hand in hand, is because they sell out their own people. That's why she's called a whore. She sells out her own people. And that's what America does. And um, in the course of selling out her own people, many of them are oppressed and abused and just, it's, it's awful. America is awful to, to the poor. And, um, and so what happened is she was just judged. Seven nuclear bombs just went off. The day of the Lord just happened. And uh, she was wiped off the map. And, um, and the reason she was punished is for uh, the blood of the servants that she'd killed because New York City Babylon uh, whether it's America Babylon England Babylon Rome Babylon or Egypt Babylon um, they're always the ones that kill the prophets and um, and so uh, now that she's destroyed um, that's over and again they said hallelujah and her spoke her smoke rose up forever and ever and the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen and Alleluia. Okay? And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and you that fear him, both small and great. And I heard a voice, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia. For the Lord God, omnipotent. Now, when you hear this coming out of the throne, we saw in Zechariah that uh, Gabriel presides in the throne of God uh, as, ju as judge. So Gabriel sits in the throne of God. He's God. Jesus sits in the throne of God. He's God. And our Father sits in the throne. And look what it said here in verse 5. A voice came out of the throne. Gabriel is sitting in the throne saying, Praise our God. Praise our Father. So even though Gabriel and Jesus were made God by our Father, their whole point, everything they see, every single word they tell you is to lead you to our Father. Okay, that's their whole purpose. Now, they also serve as judge, jury, and executioner. All power is given to them by our Father. All right, um, but but that's their role is to lead you to him. Now, all of those that reject the keys of knowledge, um, well, you have hellfire waiting for you. Uh, but those that don't, <laughs> you can't even comprehend what's coming up next. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God, omnipotent reigns. Now, the voice of the great multitude, means this voice teaches you the way to, to multiply the keys in the scriptures. And it's the voice of many waters, because uh, how profound that is. And um, mighty thunderings, because he's the seven thunders, and the keys are the power of seven. So this is all talking about Gabriel talking to you, okay? And uh, now, when we go down to um, verse 11, what this says is, 
I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. So when the, when the heavens are opened, that means you just turned the keys of knowledge. Okay, When you see the power in the word, you recognize the Holy Bible is talking about Jesus and Gabriel, and their job is to lead you to our Father. And these are the three men that make up the Godhead, or head of the gods. They're all one. If you're dealing with Gabriel, it's just like you're talking to our Father, alright? If you're dealing with our Father, it's just like you're talking to Jesus. Okay? And now you very rarely in the scriptures actually hear our Father, th our father speak. It's always in, um, it's always in uh, either Jesus or Gabriel. And the vast majority, 90% of this text, is Gabriel speaking. And um, in the Noble Quran, the entire thing is Gabriel speaking. Uh, and in my book... It is written, power of God. It is Gabriel speaking. So, um, in sentence 12, it says, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head were as many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. Now, when it describes the eyes as flames of fire, you know, some people would think, well, geez, what's that like? You know, is it red and orange? Is it smoky? No. A flaming fire is a pure flame. And a, a pure flame is a blue flame. Okay? A blue flame is a pure flame. That's a flaming fire. So Jesus and Gabriel have bright blue eyes. They have eyes like flaming fire. They have bright blue eyes. A blue flame. Okay, these are men with blue eyes and white skin and blonde hair and brown hair. And they burn and tan in the sun. They burn so bad it's like they're in a furnace. The sun will burn them so bad it's like they're in a furnace. Okay? And again, uh, it goes through and it talks about um, these two. And we'll cover the rest of this because this is all of these things are in different contexts. And uh, I want to keep this one on point um, just to reveal to you the identity and the image of uh, God our Father, Jesus, and Gabriel, so that we can know whether they are white or black. So what we're going to do now is we are going to turn to the Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 1. All right, uh, turning to the Song of Solomon, chapter 7 verse 1 we're just going to um, well we'll work it look at the first seven verses or so uh, but the first one says how beautiful are your feet with shoes O prince's daughter so I'm talking to the daughter of the prince the joints of your thighs are like jewels uh, the work of your hands like a cunning workman your navel is like a round goblet which wants not liquor. Your belly is like a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two young rows that are twins. Your neck is as a tower of ivory. What color is ivory? Ivory is very white. So this woman's neck, his lover that he's describing, he's, he's describing his lover. She has a neck of ivory, a tower of ivory. And her eyes are like the fish pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bathrebin. And so this is describing a pool of water. And this pool of water is blue. 
Okay, and your nose is as the tower of Lebanon, which looks toward Damascus. So this woman is a beautiful woman with a long white neck and um, beautiful blue eyes and a perfect nose. And um, let's see, how fair and how pleasant are you, O oh love for delights? Um, this actually gets pretty graphic. Uh, so, but I just wanted to point out in, in chapter 7 of Song of Solomon's, you know, he's pointing to, look at the color of her neck, ivory, okay? And remember, the Jews were told, the Hebrew Jews were told not to mix with any other people, to stay within their own, themselves, okay? They are not to integrate, they are not to be diversified, okay? <laughs> they are to be uh, elite, Okay, in the church, the church was told the same thing. You know, don't don't mix with the heathen, don't mix with the pagans, don't don't you know, don't mix with these people. Okay, and so when they're talking about white people now, and they're only supposed to mate with their own kind, that means there's no multiculturalism. You're not going to see these people running around mating with Negroes. Okay, it was not like that at all. In fact, that was the it was the exact opposite. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, and that's why they've been around for seven thousand years. But but um. In, in Song of Solomon, chapter 7, she has a long white neck. And what we're going to do is we're just going to go right to chapter 5. Um, chapter 5, Song of Solomon. And uh, what this says is it's admiration by the bride. Now, she's talking about him. Okay, and I'm only going to read a little bit of this because it's very graphic. And uh, the only point of communicating this aspect to you is to show you what they look like. Chapter 5, verse 10. My beloved is white. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chief among 10,000. The reason he's white and ruddy, ruddy means red. And so when white men blush or when they exert themselves or if they get burned in the sun, we turn red. Okay, His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. So this guy here, you know, he's tall, dark, and handsome. He's got the jet black hair, you know, the, the pearly white skin. Um, you know, he, he's that type, you know, he, and that's good for him. And, <laughs> and so then it goes on to say that um, uh, his eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. So again, it's talking about blue waters, blue eyes. He's a white man with dark black hair and blue eyes. And uh, let's see, what else? Oh, look at this. Uh, sentence 14. His hands are as gold rings set with a barrel. His belly is as bright as ivory. His belly is as bright as ivory. He's got a very white belly. And the reason our bellies are white is because they're not exposed to the sun. So we get what's called farmer's tans. You know, our necks, our arms, our feet will turn red, and then the rest of us is really white. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and uh, his belly was bright like ivory, overlaid with sapphires. So she's describing the muscles in his stomach. Um, and his legs, in sentence 15, his legs are as pillars of marble. What color is marble? That's right. So we're dealing with a white man here, okay? Because white men wrote this book, okay? We wrote these languages. We created these mathematics. We created all of this architecture and these sciences, okay? These are not unique. You don't look around the world and you don't find everybody else doing this, all right? 
at this point in time, this was uh, this was five or six thousand years ago, and if you look back in time throughout around the world at ruins and things like this, if there's anything documented, if they had written languages, the only ones that were doing this stuff, sailing around the world and building empires, was the the Hebrews, the the Egyptians, the Romans, and then later on, Great Britain and America. But, so that's what they're talking about here. Okay, she, he described her. She's got a neck like ivory, okay? They're royalty. These are all royals, okay? So, um, uh, and, and, and royals do not mix, okay? God said do not mix. And the reason he said do not mix is because it was vital to keep these characteristics intact. Because if he's describing to you white men that burn in the sun and tan with uh, blue eyes and blonde hair and dark hair and red hair, Okay, and we go breeding with, um, you see, we're the only ones that look like this, all right? Everybody else on earth has dark hair and dark eyes and varying shades of skin color. White people are the only ones that have yellow, orange, red, and brown hair with green and blue eyes and white skin that burns and tints, and that's why God likens us to a rainbow. That is exactly why he calls us a rainbow. Because we're all seven colors of the rainbow, and all seven colors makes white. So, um, these are royals, and royals don't breed with, uh, in this case here, it would be the Negroes. You know, the Negroes say, oh, we're the true Jews, you know. Well, these are the Jews writing this book, and they're describing themselves. All right, and they are not black. So, all of you black people, I want you to, I want you to just stop for a second and think about something, Okay. And what that is, is if you actually read the Holy Bible, or if you read the Quran, or if you read my book, It Is Written, Power of God, what you're going to see is that the Jews did not favor well. They did not fare well with God. Okay, they were, they were uh, very disobedient, and so they were punished severely. Now, that punishment, that curse that Jesus placed on them is about to end. Okay, my appearance and my mission teaching you all of these things leads to a series of events, and that's going to lead... Um, to peace, okay, so uh, over in the Middle East, and um, so none of this is black, okay, but we're going to be looking at the blacks here soon, because they are part of this, okay, so that was a Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and uh, what we're going to look at now is the book of Daniel, chapter 10, verse 6, so please turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 10, verse 6. All right. Um, now, I want to apologize if my voice is starting to get a little hoarse. Uh, over the last five years or so, um, I had actually been um, confined pretty much to solitary um, isolation. And so in the last five years, I haven't talked a whole lot. Uh, verbally, and so my vocal cords are weak, and I apologize if my voice gets hoarse. I'm going to try to slow down my my speech and enunciate my words a little clearer. And uh, also, 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 if you are still with me, if you still are listening to this podcast, congratulations, you've made it further than 90% of most other people, because in the course of my life, as I teach others this. 
Usually by now, when I get to this point, they're long gone. They are so offended that I'm saying that the Jews are white people, and 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 they wrote the Bible, and the Greeks are white people, and the Italians are white, and and um, the Mediterranean region is white, and uh, to holy Jesus, and you know, the, you know, the blacks aren't the God. Oh my God, you know. And so you're doing great. Um, there's still a lot more. We got a lot more here. Um, I'm going to try to move through it as quickly as possible because I value your time. But at the same time, this is very important. And so, uh, when we look at Daniel, chapter 10, um, Daniel is in mourning, and uh, we're looking at the first seven sentences. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, he was by the side of a great river, which is Hittichel. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and he saw a man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Ephaz. Good old days, you know. <laughs> but it says um, in, in, in sentence six, um, his body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of a lightning, and his eyes as lamps of a fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and his voice and the voice of his words like the voice of of a multitude. And so his body's like barrel. He's got a beautiful body. He's not huge. He's not massive. He's not that big at all, actually. He's like 5'8", but he's got a almost perfect body. And um, and his face has the appearance of lightning. He's got a white face, and it's very bright. And um, his eyes are as lamps of fire. And so a lamp of fire, a flaming fire, a pool of fire is deep blue. So he's got deep blue eyes. And his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass because he tends to wear shirtless sleeves, uh, shirtless, uh, sleeveless shirts a lot. And so um, his arms get tanned and he wears shorts a lot. So his legs get tanned. And, um, and his voice of his words like the voice of the multitude because the, my voice my words teach you the way to turn the keys of knowledge which leads to the multitude of uh, in the scriptures and so that's what Daniel is saying he's describing Gabriel Gabriel is a white man with blue eyes uh, and a nice body and he had great taste at back then he's dressed very nicely and uh, and he taught you the way to turn the keys of keys of knowledge which is the the voice of a multitude and so that's how Daniel's describing this and and you want to keep reading what these guys wrote um, because uh, it gives you so much info and I'm going to talk a lot about this but just not in this podcast because this is for the blacks and um, so that's uh, Daniel 10 and now I'd like to ask you to please move to 1st Samuel chapter 17 verse 42 1st Samuel chapter 17 verse 42 all right so we're in 1st Samuel chapter 17 verse 42 and what this is describing in this scene here, David is getting ready to go out and kill Goliath. And in verse 42, and we all know the story of David and Goliath, and David, the great king. And, um, and when the Philistine, when Goliath looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. So Goliath, the Philistines, again, these are all white people. Um, when he saw David, he was angry because he wanted a warrior to fight. And David was just a little white boy. 
a little white boy with rosy red cheeks, ready, ruddy cheeks, and red hair. Yeah. So, I mean, right there in chapter 17, verse 42, when you are ruddy with a fair countenance, you're a little white child with rosy red cheeks is what you, that's what he's describing so that's first to Samuel 1740 and what we're gonna do now is uh, since that was so brief let's look at the next one okay yes now we're gonna look at the word ruddy uh, r-u-d-d-y and the word ruddy um, means admoni and uh, it's red so anytime you see the word ruddy, it's red. So they're talking about red tint of the skin, red hair. And it's used four times in the Bible. It's used in first Samuel sixteen twelve. And uh and uh, that's describing David. First Samuel seventeen forty two, which we just read. Song of Solomon's five ten, which we read, and it's used one other time. And uh let's see. Let's see. Her Nazarites, verse 4 7. Her Nazarites were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies. Their polishing was of sapphire. So the Nazarites are those who um, observe particular rituals. And these rituals are important for aspects of an office and function of government that needs to be completed. So the Nazarites were very special, and they were purer than snow, meaning um, they took vows, and uh, they were whiter than milk. Now, he's not describing their moral character. He's not describing some kind of ethical component to their psychological makeup. He's talking about their skin. Okay, They were whiter than milk and ruddy in body. So these are people with white skin, and a lot of times, like, really white people like if I don't go out in the sun for a while I'll actually have red blotches on my body <laughs> and that's what he's talking about okay so these are white people all of it from from A to Z first and last and then when we look at Genesis 2525 I'm just gonna read one sentence and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment and they called his name Esau so Esau was born and he had red hair all over his head, bright red hair. And uh, you know, there's only one race of men on earth that have bright red hair, blonde hair, brown hair, white skin, blue eyes, green eyes, they burn, and they tan. And they're not black. Okay? You got that? All right, good. Now, moving on. Um, now, we're going to move to the book of Genesis. And now, this here, we're going to look at the first 13 sentences. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Sorry for my voice getting hoarse. All right. Now, this was right after the flood. God just wiped out the human race because they were just like they are today. <laughs> and uh, so, he's, he's describing what Noah's doing. And he gave Noah one instruction. After Noah and his sons landed, God said, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Okay? And, uh, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moves upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. After the flood... 
Noah and his sons and their wives were the only ones left, and they all looked the same. They all had white skin with red, yellow, brown, and black hair with blue and green eyes and brown eyes, and they burned and tanned in the sun. And on that ark, not only did they pack on a ton of animals, but they had on all the tools that they needed to build ships and civilizations before the flood. So now that they've landed again and they've got all of their tools, God is saying, all right, get back to work. Go ahead and build buildings, lay bricks, build roads. And this was about 6,000 years ago. Okay, so so um, if you look at the other cultures around the world 6,000 years ago, none of them were doing this. They weren't building ships or civilizations or Bibles, writing Bibles or these sorts of things. All right? And, um, and it goes on to say that after the flood, God gave... Noah and his children rule over all of the beasts of the field and all of the fish in the sea and fowl of the air. They are rulers over everything on the earth. So after the flood, God made Noah and his children, the white people, rulers over everything else. Okay? Every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things. So now not only are the fish and the fowl and the birds for Noah, but he can eat them. Okay? And, but the flesh of the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. So we're not to drink the blood. Okay? <laughs> um, but the flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall you not eat. And uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 do, 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 do. So he goes down to verse 7. and Be fruitful and multiply and uh, bring forth abundantly. And God spoke to Noah and his sons with him, saying, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. So now God is making a covenant with Noah, with white people, over ruling over all of the fish and the fowl and the beasts of the field. And with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, of the beasts of the earth, I will establish my covenant with you, and neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is a token. This is a token of the covenant which I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you, for perpetual generations. Verse 13. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth. So what God just told Noah and his sons is he's going to make a covenant with them and put them over everything else. Like a rainbow is over everything, and seven colors of the rainbow make white. God's going to make these white people over everything. Okay, so this isn't what they call white supremacy. This is Today... <clears throat> What happens is you tend to hear a lot of folks talking about white supremacy. And these people are not um, godly. These are the opposite of godly people. These are called Satanists. Okay, And so Satanists want to destroy this system that God set up. And what that means is God set up a system whereby Noah and his offspring uh, lead to Abraham. And the offspring of Abraham leads to all the great you know, nations of the earth. He's talking about white people, okay? Middle East, Europe, America, okay? So that's what he's talking about here. And it's a covenant. It's a contract, 
all right and it's not going to change it's going to go from generation to generation so when you look at the earth and you see the way these systems are set up that's not man-made so when these people are fighting against these systems they're not fighting against white people they're fighting against God and that's stupid you people are idiots you don't want to do that okay because what they're trying to replace God's system with is a system called Babylon and if you want to look at what Babylon is look at America look at England look at Rome look at Egypt those were all great empires and now they're not okay and guess what the people that ran Rome the people that ran Egypt the people that ran Great Britain and the people that ran America guess what they look like guess what they look like if you look at the remains of the pharaohs these guys got blonde hair they got white skin you know so, um, and if you look at the Roman statues and on, you know, the Egyptian and all of these things, okay, these are, these are where our cultures come from. Now, a lot of black people will say, yeah, but Egypt is in Africa, so it's black, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Africa wasn't called Africa until recently. It wasn't always called Africa. And the landmass that you call Africa wasn't always Africa. Okay, there was a desert called the Sahara Desert. And that Sahara Desert acted as a natural border. And it kept all of the black people down in sub-Sahara Africa. Because they didn't have the ability to cross those barriers on their own. Just like they don't today. You know, that's why you got to see all these human smugglers. If you look at all of these black people that are constantly leaving Africa and going up into Europe... Uh, or going into England, France, and Germany, because the rest of Europe won't even take them. So all these black people are going up into um, England, France, and Germany, and Sweden. And when they get there, uh, they say they're victims of white supremacy. You know, So these people are leaving Africa, okay, and they're being smuggled into England, France, and Germany by human smugglers because they don't have the ability to get themselves there. <laughs> I, that's a point-blank statement and it's true so unless someone transport them guess what they're gonna stay right where they're at and that's not bad they want that as we will see okay so unless you have these white Satanists importing all of these synagogue of Satan's into uh, these territories which are uh, established by God okay and raised up by God which is why they're so great um, there wouldn't be any conflict Okay, so the reason you're, you're, and today these Satanists are called progressives, uh, they're called liberals, they're called feminists. Um, these are the people primarily driving all of this. And so what you have is feminists, um, if you look at like Europe, if you look at England, France, and Germany, and Sweden right now, what you have is a bunch of NGOs, non-government organizations, um, which were basically slave ships hundreds of years ago, going down into the northern part of Africa, picking up a bunch of black people, and then taking them up into England, France, and Germany. And that is no different than what they did hundreds of years ago. You know, they went down into Africa, they loaded the blacks up on the ships, and they loaded and brought them over to America, to North America and South America. And guess what? Today, those black people that are illegally invading England, France, and Germany, and America, they are doing so voluntarily. All of these black people are voluntarily risking their lives, leaving sub-Sahara Africa to get to white man's lands. Because where they're from sucks. You see that? 
it sucks and so then once they get to our territory and, and some people take them in um, then next thing you know, your crime goes through the roof your violence goes through the roof um, your culture goes to shit alright and then they're telling you you're you're oppressing them <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're paying for their rent, their food, their clothing, you know, so that's a bad deal all the way around. Okay, it's a bad deal, and it hasn't changed. What you see today is the same way it was hundreds of years ago and thousands of years ago. It doesn't change. Okay, and so God put a bow in a cloud as a covenant. The rainbow is white people. Okay, and it's over everything on earth. And so that's why white people build everything. That's why we do everything. That's why, you know, um, it's not that we we have that any ability on our own. It's a gift from God. All of this, even though this world that you're currently presiding on, residing on, is a prison holding a convict named Lucifer until an appointed day of judgment where everyone's going to have their day in court. That's all your, your reality is, in a nutshell. Um... What that means is, on this prison planet, uh, God created a system of design, a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy in the animal kingdom. There's a hierarchy in the nations of men upon the earth. And there's a hierarchy among the angels in the ranks in the heavens. And that's God's design. And it leads to peace and order and prosperity. So what the Babylonians want to do is they say, oh, you know, screw that, we want to do it our way. So they ship in a ton of... Um, people who are different and by different I mean extremely disadvantaged and so once they ship in all of these disadvantaged people then they can point their fingers at them and say look at all of this inequality oh my goodness we're going to have to take your money and steal it so we can give crumbs to these poor Negroes you know you you white supremacists and so the politicians use the Negro, in this case here, as an excuse to steal your money and to destabilize sovereign uh, divine states. And so what the black people have to keep in mind, you know, when you get this to this point here, is when you know the keys of knowledge, all right, and you can turn the keys and see the power in the word and you understand who Gabriel is and who Jesus is and who our father is and that they're all white, and they created all of the races on the earth, as well as the nations of the earth, on a timeline for no other purpose than they can say they wrote a book pointing out that all of this has happened, it's going to happen, and is, you know, it's coming to pass. Which it is what the Bible is. It's a prophecy book. It tells you what's coming. And they did that so you could take comfort from it. It's not that black people are worse off than white people. They can have everything else white people have, or brown people, or whatever else. It's just in order to have those things, they've got to do what we do. We, we work hard, we have a culture that uh, supports those things, and we're going to look at the difference between these cultures. We're going to move soon from this spiritual aspect, reading the Word of God, to the secular. We're going to look at what these people actually say, okay? And uh, so God set a rainbow over the earth, and we all know who a rainbow is. And this is a token of a covenant, okay? So God created this hierarchy, all right? So what we're going to do now is... Please turn to Genesis chapter 11, verse 7. Genesis chapter 11, verse 7. All right. In the book of Genesis, chapter 11, I'm going to actually start on the first sentence. And this was right after the flood. 
The whole earth was one language and one speech. Now after the flood, all that was left was Noah, his sons, and their wives. And they all looked the same. They had white skin, blue and green eyes, with yellow, orange, red, brown, blonde hair. Alright, and God said, multiply like rabbits. You guys go at it like rabbits and repopulate this planet. So they went at it like rabbits, okay? And uh, they started creating tribes, which turned into cities, okay? And so the whole earth was just one race. They were white people after the flood, okay? And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. So now, um, as they were traveling along, um, the, there's, there's many of them now at this point, um, they, they went into the land of Shinar, and that's Egypt. That's the old kingdom in Egypt. And they went to a plain uh, by a river, by the Nile River. There's a very fertile plain. And they dwelt there. And in sentence three, they said one to another, go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar so right after the flood these people dwelt went down to uh, uh, the Nile River by the plain by the Nile River in the land of Shinar which is Egypt and they built a city made out of bricks okay they made bricks out of mud they burnt them and then they used slime for mortar so these are advanced civilizations all right after these are the people of noah uh, after the flood they had all of the tools that they used to build these cities before they were destroyed and so afterwards they simply went back to metal smithing and woodworking and creating the tools that they had before and they built a city made of brick and stone and mortar that's an advanced civilization all right if you look at Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, anywhere from now to 6,000 years ago, there are no ruins or remains of buildings. Nothing. They didn't build things. So these aren't black people. All right? If you look at Sub-Saharan Africa, absolutely nothing. Nothing. Okay? So there's a difference there, completely different. And we'll look at the differences. But for now, in sentence four... They said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make a name, lest it would be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So these people went to build a city and a tower that would reach heaven. Now the tower wasn't a skyscraper. They didn't try to build it a hundred different stories to reach the stratosphere. What they did in the land of Egypt, by, on the Nile River, in the plains, the fertile plains, is they built cities. And the tower that they built, the word tower is midal, and it means pyramid. So what these guys did is they built a pyramid, okay, or a series of pyramids in a city that reflected the heavens. And so when you look at the Great Pyramid in Egypt, and the little ones next to it, it reflects the stars of Orion's belt. Because those are the planets of the stars that Lucifer lived in when he was cast down from his first estate to the earth. And now he's stuck here. Okay? And so, um, he's the one telling Nimrod and these people to, instead of spread out and repopulate like God said, Go down to Egypt, go down to this land by this river, and build these pyramids that reflect Orion's belt. That's what it means to reach to the heavens. Okay, it reflects the heavens. And they're made of brick. 
And the Lord came down to see the city, and the tower, pyramid, which the children of men, generations of men, builded. And the word Lord here, the word Lord here, let's just go ahead and I want to see if this works. I'm trying to, f okay. Now, the word Lord here is Yahweh, okay? And it means the existing one, the proper um, name for the one true God. Okay, so Yahweh is the proper name of the one true God, okay? And um, this one true God said, let us go down. So now we've got one God, okay, uh, speaking to us in the second person, because we're the, we're the ones reading and hearing it, and they're referring to themselves in the third person, us, let us. And so what that means is this is our Father, Jesus, and Gabriel. And they're paying the earth a visit. They pay the earth a visit all the time. Gabriel is here nonstop. And uh, <clears throat> um, they came down to check out this pyramid that uh, the Egyptians were building. And therefore is the name of it called Babel. Because the Lord, God, our Father, Jesus, and Gabriel, did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Right there, chapter 11, verse 9. If you want to know where the different races and cultures on the earth came from, it's from God. Because after the flood, God told us to spread out and populate. But Lucifer was, you know, of course, here, and he said, no, don't do that. I'm going to show you how to build an amazing city called Babylon. And this was the old kingdom in Egypt. And since they would not scatter out and repopulate like they were told to, they were literally, literally abducted, taken, and then flown to different parts of the earth where they were scattered. And their languages were confounded. It was at this point here, our Creator abducted us, kidnapped us, took us to different continents, dropped us off, modified our genetics, created different races, and taught us different languages. That's where it came from. Verse 9, chapter 11 of the Holy Bible. It didn't come from an amoeba turning into a fish crawling up out of the ocean and turning into a bird and going to Mars. My God. That's where it came from, right there. Okay, now, um, so, since they're all one race and they were made in the image of God, what do you think they looked like? Huh? You know the answer to that now. And after they spread them out and scattered them abroad, then what did they look like? Because that's where they came from. So when you see all of these different races, these are all God's creations. And they're beautiful. He created them. However, they are not all the same. Because he chose different groups to fulfill different uh, parameters at different times. And the reasons for all of this is because when you see these marks being hit on the timeline, those are signs, signs of the times. So even though we're on a lousy planet, which is a prison with a convict who's a psychopath, <laughs> God wants us to reassure us that he's in control of everything. He designed all of this. Okay, Lucifer, the devil didn't design any of this. He's a, he's a, he's a twerp. He's, a, he's an employee. What's the devil? You know, a lot of people, they think that, oh, there's this titanic war between the devil and God. Are you on crack? Are you on drugs? 
Stop and think about it for a second. There's no... This Lucifer gets slapped around like a little... You know, there's no power struggle here. He's a he's an employee. He's like an employee. All right. Good God. What a pathetic guy. Jesus. Okay. So there's chapter eleven, verse seven. Check it out. And then it goes into the descendants. Okay. And from here, from the book of Genesis, chapter eleven, it lays out the genealogy of the bloodlines from Adam right up to today because the man who is the voice of the seven angel seventh angel that reveals these things to you is a direct descendant of that bloodline in the holy bible he's codenamed as zerubbabel okay and uh you want to pay very close attention to what he says so um what we're going to do now is we're going to move to uh genesis chapter one genesis chapter one All right. Um, these podcasts, I believe, only have an hour time limit for each one, so I'm going to have to turn this into a couple of different segments. Um, we're in Genesis 1, and what I want you to look at is just jap- uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And what this says, And God said, Let us, our Father Jesus and Gabriel, make man in our image. What is the image of God? What does he look like? What color is his hair? What color is his skin? What color is his eyes? After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he him. He, them. And so, in those two sentences, okay, God made us in him his image, and that means just what it says. And now you know what God looks like. So, when Jesus was here, you know what he looks like. Jesus had uh, uh, white skin that burned in the sun and tanned with uh, uh, bright blonde, uh, light blonde hair and bright blue eyes. That's what he looks like. Uh, Gabriel isn't much different. Gabriel has white skin, blue eyes, and uh, light brown hair that turns blonde in the sun. So, um, and he burns and tans in the sun. So this is what God looks like, and this is what, um, uh, these are what people that wrote the Holy Bible look like, and, and all of these other sorts of things. And so I'm just going to uh, go ahead and end this here for now, and try to see if I can get this whole thing on uh, the podcast. I hope I didn't go over the time allotted. And we're going to keep looking at this in the second section. So sit tight, praise God, and I'll catch up to you in a minute.